We're chatting today with Mike Newman. Mike's been in the fitness industry for a while as a trainer, as a gym owner. Today, he's the owner operator of Fit Body U. So Mike, you started at Gold's, ended at Impact. It was the same gym, different owners, different name. And you took what you learned at 11 different fitness centers, plus the railroad, plus pizza delivery, and started to build out your own thoughts on how you should run a business. And yeah. today that business is fit body you. What's the address of it? 725 Larry Power Road in Bourbon, Illinois, 60914. Okay. And so, and this is what I wanted to get into because I think your experience, you know, back to finding the positive in the pizza delivery, the positive on the railroad. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got time to sit and read. I'm going to knock out my cert instead of learning how to be a better card player. Uh, you took all of that and you kind of molded it into this gym called Fit Body U. Walk me through your business model. How, like, tell me, tell me Fit Body U. Wow. Yeah. You know, when I was at Bally's gave me good experience because with everything I've done at every fitness center I've been to, I've always been on the gym floor. I've never really been much of a manager sitting in an office, talking to other managers. I've never talked to other employees you know, for hours on end behind the front desk, I was always on the floor assisting members. So, and a lot of trainers only focus on their clients. They don't focus on the members too, unless they become clients. But I always gave the members attention. I would train my clients. I'd always give them, because they could be future clients. I would always give the members attention. So I spent a lot of time working with regular members who are just regular gym goers who are not paying additional for personal trainers. So I got to learn their needs and their wants. And that's what it all centers around is the regulars are going to go to the gym no matter what. You know, they're good. Whether they go to your gym or somebody else's gym, they're going to get their workouts in somewhere. What about the people who just want to get fit, who have great intentions to sign up for the local fitness center, but they don't know what to do once they get to the gym, so they drop out within a couple of weeks? Well, I think that's the bulk of a membership base. It's a high percentage of every fitness center's membership base, but they're not assisting those people. So I'm thinking in terms of, Take what everybody else in the industry is doing and do the complete opposite. In my experience, fitness centers don't provide great customer service. A lot of the employees talk to each other behind the front desk more than they talk to the gym member on the floor who could use them most. So my aim is to give those people attention because if I can keep those people coming in, then I'm less likely to get more cancellations. My retention is going to stay higher. They're going to talk about me because people aren't going to talk about you if they're not going to your gym. But if you keep going to the gym all year round, they're talking about you all year round. So it just makes sense to um, get to the point to where you can achieve a high active member rate. You know, I think I'm at a 70% active member rate. I've read somewhere the active member rate for most gyms is 45%. What I mean by active member rate is you got people paying for your gym, but have they actually been to your gym in the last 30 days? 70% of my members have been to the gym at least once in the last 30 days, you know? So I like to keep track of that number two. Um, But it's all based around customer service because most fitness centers don't provide customer service. So I simply provide customer service and it seems different, but it's just what should be the standard, I believe. This podcast is brought to you by smallbusinesstogrow.com, the website by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Why reinvent the wheel? start growing your business with best practices from industry-leading small business owners, executives, 
and entrepreneurs. Take their wheel, put it to work in your business, and start growing today. Smallbusinesstogrow.com to learn more. In in that, so we we at any given time had a thousand to twelve, thirteen hundred members, and we would get 250 to 270 people a day coming in. So that was just a day. So we'll call it 20 some percent. Now that would be maybe that day I looked at attendance, we had 270 and there were people that didn't come that day, but they came the next day. But I would say that you're probably, and we were good at service. In fact, when I sold my gym, I, I told the folks that buy it, bought it, I said, you are buying a service business that has a 15,000 square foot health club. If you lose sight of that and you try and become a 15,000 square foot health club, you will not make it. You like this, this business, this brand works on service and your, I mean, your numbers are far better than the industry, far better than mine and mine were decent. So you recognize in, in anybody that's listening, if you've ever bought a gym membership as a newbie, you know, everybody gets started at some point, unless you lift it at school. You go get a gym membership. It's brand new. Guess what you know how to use? You know how to walk on the treadmill and you can probably figure the elliptical and you can ride a bike. But then you got all this other stuff that you have no clue how to use and you're scared to death trying. Like for me, I'm a former fat guy, lost 60 pounds in the 90s and uh, hadn't really worked out. And I remember using a leg press. These these dudes were using it. I saw what they were doing. I'm like, oh, I can do that. So I just walk up, get in there. Um, they, in classic bad behavior fashion, they left all the plates on the leg press. And it was one where you stand up and squat. So I get in there. I saw what they were doing. I stand up, safety handles move. I go down and that thing just keeps going. And now I'm closed up in the machine. So now a fat boy's got to climb out the side of the machine. Well, I didn't go back to the gym for like weeks because I was so embarrassed. Um, you recognize that fit body, you, you're different. You actually, you provide training and it's free. Walk yeah. us through that. So check this out. I got, let me go over my whole 30 second one liner here. And before that you were talking about the fat kid thing. Well, I was also there too. I joined the YMCA originally at 10 years old. My mom bought me a one year membership when I was 10 years old but I was a shy introverted kid. So I went there my first day. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't go back. Wasted my mom's money that entire year. I had a home gym that I worked out at. I was a big wrestling fan at the time. Um, I had a home gym that I worked out at. I was motivated enough to work out by myself as a 10, 11 year old kid. But my original membership at the YMCA after day one, I never went back because I was too intimidated. I was 10 years old, but I was there at one point too. Um, so now my spiel, check this out. Take what the rest of your industry is doing, then do the complete opposite. So most fitness centers, they charge a startup fee. They charge that yearly maintenance fee. They charge maybe a hefty monthly membership due. Uh, they charge a cancellation fee. If you decide to cancel, they make you jump through multiple loopholes. You might think you're canceling, but you really didn't because you didn't jump through the loopholes. So they charge it for two, three, four months after you thought you canceled. They might even send collections after you. Right. All that after you didn't get any guidance at all. You signed up to get access to a bunch of gym equipment that you don't know how to effectively and safely use, but nobody showed you how to use it. So what if you signed up at your local swimming pool and you're drowning, but you didn't sign up for the life saving package. You didn't pay extra to get your life saved. 
So the lifeguard and swim instructor, they're sitting there. They're just going to let you go because you didn't pay extra for the life-saving package. So if you don't pay extra for personal training, you're on your own. You're going to drown in a fitness center and you're going to drop out. But the gym keeps their money even though you didn't get the service. So it's no wonder why they go back to cancel, but then they're made to jump through loopholes. So if about you, we do the complete opposite. No startup fee, no maintenance fee, only 25 bucks a month, which I got my reasons for that too. But I like that number. No cancellation fee, easiest cancellation process ever. Just print your name on a form at the gym. So you do got to show up in person, but once your name's on that form, you're canceled that day. We don't even take out another month of dues when you cancel. And because of that, we get repeat business. We got members that have come and gone two, three, four, five times because they know their money's not going to get messed with. And that's all from doing pretty much the opposite of what most other fitness centers do. Plus, we provide free training. Um, six free training sessions during your first two weeks, then three training sessions a month after that. So you're getting new exercises because we want our members to know what to do once they get to the gym. We want our members to actually use their membership because if they're using it, they're going to keep talking about us. They might not be paying you for eight months, but if they're not going to your gym, they're also not talking about you either, getting their friends in. You know what I mean? So we'd rather our members just be active. And if they're active, we're going to service them. And, and I think you, you probably arrived at this with your time spent in other facilities talking to the average members. Not the meatheads, like you said, not the meatheads. They're going to work out regardless. And not just your training clients, but the people that aren't buying training and they're not the the worker outer meathead that's going to be there anyways because they're a gym rat. But you learned it by talking to the people. Exactly. I tell my employees, I got five employees. I got two regular employees that are free trainers for me. I got two cleaners and a couple independent contracted trainers. But I tell the free trainers on my staff, don't spend too much time talking to the regular members. They're going to come back with or without you. Talk to the non-regular members. Because it's been said that if you talk to a non-regular member, they're more likely to come back at least once in the next 30 days. So just acknowledge your members. Give your, Every single member gets attention. They at least get a high or a nod or something. Um, nobody gets ignored in our gym. So I tell all the free trainers, make sure you acknowledge each member. Um, and that's just how we do things there. In, in from a business standpoint, I talk to a lot of business owners, regardless of industry, and some that are new to business, they, they don't realize the value in talking to your existing customers and then even talking to the people. I know. This, this usually happens with, with cold calling or cold direct messaging or cold emailing. Well, like, well I don't want to talk to them. Well, it, listen, if you talk to them and they're not interested they're going to give you a reason they're not interested. And maybe that reason's an opportunity to, to be better at what you do. Like there's a reason they're not a customer and, and you could learn, well, geez, maybe the entire industry is not filling this need. And in your case, that need, like I watched this and we tried to do something similar, but we charged for it. We're, we were charging people monthly rental access to equipment they didn't know how to use yes how long are they sticking around two weeks right they're not they they come in they feel out of place they're scared they're intimidated they have no idea what they're doing who wants to stick around exactly you know a lot of fitness centers like to focus on members they don't have because once somebody signs in the dotted line okay next And they just want to bring new members in and keep signing up and keep not servicing them, right? 
So instead of focusing on the members we don't have, we focus on the members we do have. We don't send mailers out. We don't make cold calls. We don't even have a phone, if it's about you. We don't even got a website. I've never done a mass email. All we do, we make some social media posts and we focus on our current members. By focusing on the current members, you know, they'll go tell their friends, they'll spread the word for you, you know, but yeah. focus on the current members instead of members you don't already have. And don't forget about your current members either. Once they sign up, that's when the real work begins. They've done their part by saying, I'm going to be loyal to your club. I'm going to, I'm going to pay money out of my pocket to belong to your club. Now it's the fitness center staff's job to do their part. But most fitness center staffs don't do their part. They sign members up and then they're, if they don't sign up for personal training, they're forgotten about. So yeah. That's why we do the opposite of it, buddy. And, and I, I think it's, it's brilliant in so many ways in, in any business. It's, you know, you, you talk about, well, how do we grow our sales? Well, we need to get out there and we need to get new, new bodies to the front door. We need more traffic. We need, it's like, well, who here at the company is responsible for servicing our existing customers? Like, it's a lot easier to just keep them happy and not, you know, not have three members cancel and get one new member, which is a negative two. You lost two. It's a lot easier to keep those three that's a plus three, you know, in a, a lot of, in the fitness industry, most clubs pay no attention. As soon as you've said no repeatedly to training until they hire a new trainer and he gets, he or she gets the old list and they start badgering them. Nobody pays attention to you. Now nah, they're already here. Who cares? You know what though? Yes. These, nobody knows why they're in the fitness. Do you ask a manager or an owner of a lot of fitness centers? Why are you in the fitness industry? And a lot of them say, because I want to help people because I want to help people. And that's what they say, but they don't help people. They only help people who pay extra for personal training. What about the regular members? They're already paying startup fees. They're paying yearly maintenance fees, paying monthly membership dues. That should get them some attention, right? It but should. they barely get any attention at all. They and feel even... lost. Members feel confused, frustrated, unmotivated. So why are they going to go somewhere if they feel that way? You know what I mean? But and once they sit a... in the dotted line, the gym's got your money sometimes for up to 12 months. It's like from a business like standpoint too, they're going to leave. Exactly. No, I think in, so you're offering six training sessions in their first month. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. Free because, well, that's just what I believe standard customer service should be. It's a brand new gym member. I mean, we don't charge the fees and all that, but if they're committing to 25 bucks a month for me, hopefully I keep them for a few years, right? That's the goal. If I don't show them what to do, they're not going to, they might cancel four to six months down the road. I would rather keep a member for three years than not show them anything at all and have them cancel in four to six months. You know what I mean? So if you show them something at the beginning of their membership, they're more likely to stick around, but they're committing to, out of 13 gyms in the area. They're committing to my gym. I appreciate that. So I'm going to give them more than just access to gym equipment that they don't know how to safely and effectively use. I'm going to show them how to get the most out of it. And in turn, hopefully they'll stick around for a few years. And if they don't, hopefully they'll tell their friends and family about me. And it's in it repeatedly when we look at successful businesses, they're the ones that over deliver. Yes. So you're, you're over delivering. You're giving them exactly. everything they need to be successful. That's a and, big one. That's one of my big mottos. And if they walk away and they're like, Hey, this isn't for me right now. <laughs> I always use the term walking billboards. There's still going to be a walking billboard. Like, you know what? That guy, Mike Newman over at fit body, you, they gave me everything I needed. Like I got all this free training and stuff. And, and I just couldn't make it work with my schedule, my kids or whatever. But if you're looking for a gym, that's the guy and that's the gym. I mean, 
what would that cost you advertising wise? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, a big one for me is just over delivering because that way, if they don't have a good experience or if they cancel someday, at least they're not out any money. And I learned that early on. My, I think my mom told me, don't, don't mess with people's money. Right. So that's why I, cause really, why does a gym take out one more month of dues after a member cancels? Can you, what do you think about yeah, that? So, so years ago, so the industry, when you look at the health club industry, the fitness industry, it evolved from what it evolved from for the most part, bodybuilders back in the fifties and sixties. Now there were some small eclectic weightlifting gyms prior to that, but really the industry evolved from bodybuilders was zero for the most part, zero business acumen. So that's one issue that the industry is still struggling with. Um, and that ties into how we, we see the industry package and sell training and how they schedule things and why you have trainers that have clients at five in the morning and then have another client at eight at night. People can't live that way. You can't live that way. There's okay. a better way. There's a better business model to do that. But when we look at why do they say 30 days cancellation? Part of the reason is years ago when memberships were set up to be billed automatically, depending on where that member was in the billing cycle, there may not have been a way for the club to cancel it before the next payment comes out. Now, people sitting out there are going to say, oh, Ray, that's BS. It's not true, blah, 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 blah. Sure, sitting here in 2020 plus, 2023, the time of recording this, yeah, it's easy to say that, but 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when you were faxing new membership agreements to your billing company, or or before that, you were taking them once a month, putting them in a giant eight and a half by 11 envelope and mailing them to your billing company. And then somebody got the mail, opened it up, and they're like, oh, hey, Mike got 17 new members. And they went and typed the all of them into the into the membership database. Well, when Mike sent, got a cancellation, guess what? Mike put that cancellation into an eight and a half by 11 envelope with his new members. And that got mailed out to the billing company and somebody opened the mail and they're like, Oh, Mike got a cancellation. Let's enter it. Well, between when the member canceled, got lost. Well, not even it got lost by the time between when they canceled and the mail got to the billing company and got opened and a data processor sat down to process the stuff for your account for that month. It could have been two or three weeks, in which case another payment came off. So the industry standard has always been, we're going to take one more payment. And, yeah, yeah, and part yeah. of that, it didn't start out as this egregious, we're going to steal another month's dues right. from the member that we never delivered to, right? Yeah. It was a matter of if we don't tell them it could take 30 days, depending on when they actually put it into the, the computer to cancel, we might've taken another payment. So we, we'll just yeah. tell everybody 30 days. Well, you know, the industry's come a long way, man. It's still a relatively young industry, I think. I mean, it's kind of in its younger years anyway, but people have had experiences because a lot of women didn't really start going to fitness centers until the start of the nineties or so, right. not, not in bulk anyway, but so many people have had fitness center experiences now and so many chains have come along and so many smaller gyms have closed down because of these chains. But now since hundreds of thousands have had the experience, if you go by and you read the review, one of the biggest complaints from any fitness center chain or franchise is, 
I'm trying to cancel and they keep taking out membership dues. Yes. And I, that's a big one. So that's why if it by you, I'm just like, you know what, last night you mess around, just cancel you that same day. You do got to come in person and put your name on the form. But if somebody hasn't been to your gym in like four to six months, then they cancel. I'm just not, I'm not going to be like, you know, hey, you can still use the gym for 30 days, but I'm taking out one more payment. You haven't been there in four to six months. It's like, I'm more like, I appreciate your contribution. In return, I'm going to cancel you today. If I can, maybe they couldn't do that years ago, but now I can just click. Yeah. Today, today it's a different story, but a lot of, but that's where it came from. Yeah. You know, 25, I'm glad you're 30 the first person ago, to ever answer that question. That, that's where it came from. And when I bought my gym, we were still mailing. If you came in and signed up for a membership, it was on paper and there were, there were three forms. The club kept the form. You got a form and a form got mailed to our billing company. And until the billing company got the form and entered the person into the system, they, they had a membership, but there was nothing entered yet because yeah. I had to mail it, may, I had to snail mail it, mail it out, good. mail it out. That's good stuff, Ray. I mean, I get like, if you're like a trainer with a training studio and you only have one-on-one -on -one personal training clients and you only have 10 clients paying you 400 bucks each. And by the time you, you need that money to pay your rent. You want a 30-day notice if a client's going to not pay you next month, if you expect that payment. But if you're at gym, you know, charging, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks and you have a thousand members, you know, to me, that's just, uh, you know, they were loyal to you. You appreciate their loyalty. So in return, just don't take out another month to do That's what I think anyway. That's how I yeah, do it. Yeah, and today you could definitely, and today you can say that and you can stand by it. And there's yeah. no reason not to. So and, there's a lot of things we do differently, but I'm glad you're acknowledging the things that not many know, not everybody notices. No. And that's, I mean, the fact that you do that and we're able to do that today. And when you look at, you know, again, by talking to and understanding your market, if the number one complaint is the number one negative review is I've been trying to cancel for 73 days. They just won't cancel me. Yeah. Well, here's a competitive opportunity. Just let people cancel. Yeah, exactly. Just set yourself apart. They're not using your gym anyway. Let them, Let them cancel. I mean, what I, you know what I like to think? What if you take a fitness center and take away all the members who have not been to the gym in three months? Would that gym still be alive? No. You know. So my goal has always been, yes. If I that's my goal anyway. If all of my members who haven't been to the gym in a few months canceled, would I still be able to operate? And I think I would but I'm going to try everything I can to keep those people coming in. You know, if they don't come to fit body, you, it's not because they don't know what to do because we give them a plan, you know, and sure. You can't motivate everybody, but you can motivate more than you otherwise would have. If you didn't offer the service, all these owners and managers are like, I want to help people. I want to change lives. Well, that's how you change lives by taking your regular members and showing them how to use your fitness center, you know, but some fitness, some members, I mean, some managers and owners, might be like, well, but then they'll wear and tear on my equipment. And that's the kind of person who just doesn't belong in the fitness industry or running the gym. You know what I mean? And there, there is, I mean, there is wear and tear on the fitness equipment and, and there's, there's ways to account for that from an income standpoint. So you can manage it. I mean, I did it and there, there's ways to change your business model so that you can afford to pay for the wear and tear of the, on the equipment. There's a, there's a way to do that, but you're spot on. A lot of the people think, well, I, I want to help people when, you know, you look at even 
the gym membership. Most people, they sign up. They've never had a membership before. They're going to come in a few times those first two weeks and they're gone. You didn't help them. You failed. Congrats. Well, we're going to sell one-on-one training. Great. Those one-on-one trainers are going to buy about 12 weeks of one-on-one training and their lifetime budget for one-on-one training or training at all has now been spent. Yep. They're never going to do it again. So on week 14, they're gone. Yes. Because you haven't found a way that they can afford to sustain why they're coming in. Yeah. And, and you have, you figured yes. out a way to do it. That's because I, I, I like the way you put it, Ray. And even, you know, in our business, we, we did, we sold one-on-one training we sold lots of it and we would keep clients for about 12 weeks and then they couldn't afford it anymore. Sitting here today in 2023, there are people I signed up for a different way to deliver training at my old gym that are still doing training three days a week. So 11 years later, when you talk about, well, I want to help people. Well, my God, if, if you got somebody that comes in three days a week for 11 years, I would imagine you've helped them out an awful lot. They wouldn't still be coming back if they weren't getting something out of it. And my God, how much, I mean, and I know a lot of the people and their lives are better because they're regularly exercising which goes back to you recognized, okay, what's the biggest reason people are upset with gyms too hard to cancel or impossible. Yeah. What's the, you know, what's the average amount of time somebody comes to a gym when they're new couple weeks and they leave. Yeah. How can I change that? Well, I'm going to have an affordable monthly fee. You can cancel anytime you want. And Hey, I know you don't know how to use this stuff. I know you feel like a fish out of water. So we're going to teach you and you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> Too good to be true. But the thing is, that's just, I mean, what if a restaurant didn't have waiters and waitresses? You know what I mean? It's like you would have to go in there, order your own food, cook your own food, and deliver your own food. It's like, well, if a fitness center doesn't have people showing the new members how to use the equipment, then of course they're going to drop out. But I'll tell you what, most of these new fitness center members, they have the greatest of intentions. They walk in, they see the shiny new equipment, they see the rows of treadmills and ellipticals, and they're like, okay. I can get in the best shape in my life right here. So they're at the peak of their motivation too. They're not going to say no to membership because they're very motivated. They're in the gym. They built up the courage to walk inside of a gym. So now they're going to join. They see all this beautiful equipment, but they don't think that they, you know, they don't think that they don't think far enough ahead of time to think, well, I don't know how to adjust the machines. I don't know how much weight to start with. Right. I'm not sure my form is spot on like it's supposed to. I'm not sure what muscle group I'm working on. They don't think about those things. And by the time they figure it out that they don't know what they're doing, well, they already signed in the dotted line. So they have the greatest of intentions of getting it done once they get to the gym, but they're not given any guidance. So, and it just amazes me because it's like, where's the customer service at? You know, what is customer service? Is customer service the front desk girl saying hi as you check in? Well, of course, you know, she's going to say hi when you walk in because she's right there. It's convenient. Well, the staff is so nice. Yeah, they're nice when they're behind the front desk, but does anybody talk to you on the gym floor? No. So they're not giving you guidance and no wonder why they stopped going in. So yeah, we're trying to do things completely the opposite of about you. And that's our business model. And it's pretty simple. And, and you were smart enough to pay attention in those other fitness centers and not just, you know, not just on the people buying training. And if you ask a lot of, a lot of gyms and managers and owners, well, you want to help people. Well, how do you do that? Well, we sell training. Yeah. yeah. But what about the people that you're not like, exactly. my God, what, 
you just want to count dollars from a business standpoint, that's great. Let's have a conversation. You're only counting the dollars from the people paying you. You have all of these other people that aren't. Like, what if you can find a way to engage those people? My engage God, you them. can help a lot more people and you could probably see more dollars come in, but you're, you're only focused on the ones already paying you. Well, I got into the industry because I want to help people, but only if they pay for personal training. But you get these regular members, they're paying their dues too. They're paying their yearly maintenance fee. They probably pay the startup fee and they're paying the monthly membership dues. That should get something like one or two free sessions a month at least. But the, 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 the level of customer service that fitness centers provide is just so subpar. It's and even, like, you know, even so if you look at, at least at my gym, so I never planned on having a gym. I never planned. I never thought I'd be a gym owner. It never crossed my mind. That it would actually happen. So when it did happen, I had two weeks to kind of think about how I'm going to run it. Well, if I'm going to have a gym, it's not going to be like everybody else, because if I'm going to be like everybody else, I'm just going to blend in. Then we're all going to share the members. Even if I had a hair salon, I would still take everything that everybody else in the industry was doing. And I would do the complete opposite. Like I'd open on Mondays. Most hair salons are closed on Mondays. I'd open on Mondays, but you got to do something different to stand up. And plus we're the smallest gym in the area, 6,000 square feet. So we had to do things differently just to stand out. So we weren't eaten up by the bigger clubs. So something else we did, we had to right out of the gate, best leg equipment in the area. You know, uh, other gyms are stepping up now and getting good leg stuff now too, finally. But originally when we first opened up, that's what we wanted the best leg equipment in the area. Um, that way, women wanted good legs. Well, what about you where all the good stuff's at? You can't just have a basic leg press and a basic extension. We like to have equipment that no other gyms have. Like we have a hack squat. No other gym has a hack squat. We had an Nautilus glute drive. At the time, nobody had it, but since I got mine, two other gyms got glute. Glute drives are getting popular now. But we like to have equipment that most gyms don't have. That way, the lifters kind of have better workouts there too. And the lifters have their own followings too. Plus, I like my members to be surrounded by lifters. Most are intimidated by them. Well, you might not want to be as muscular as the lifters or as strong as the lifters, but at least by attracting lifters, the newer members, if they don't use the free training, because not all use the free training, they can at least see what proper form is supposed to look like. So I appreciate having the, some of the best lifters in the area around because it gives my new members somebody else to observe. Because when I went to the YMCA back in the day, that's all I did. I observed the good lifters. So, right. You learn, you learn from them. You know, there's, there's an opportunity to learn something from those experienced weightlifters and it's huge. And it's something that, you know, there, there's a way to incorporate that into your gym and turn it into a positive and not a negative, not to be discouraged. And I, I don't, I think the majority of the industry again, misses that, but I think your business model is interesting. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, we're sitting here talking about this, but the one thing we haven't said is it's actually working. You know, a lot of people probably, a lot of industry people probably would have looked at what you were saying to yourself, you were going to do in that two weeks, you were making a decision. They would probably look at you and say, Mike, it won't work. Mike, you're crazy. Yeah. Mike, oh, you got to charge for training. Mike, you can't let people cancel. Mike, you got to have a sign up fee. Everybody's got a sign up fee. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, all the 11 gyms I worked at, I gave all the guys, all my ideas and none of them liked them. So that's why the last gym I was at, I go, if you threaten to fire me, I'm going to open up my own gym after this. And uh, I didn't say that. I said my original owner, we kind of got into it a little bit. We were good friends though. 
So I said, Andy, if I don't work here anymore, I'm going to have my, I'm not working for nobody else ever again. I've done that enough. I'm going to do my own thing. And it eventually did happen. Um, but that's just how that worked out. And even, you know, what, why do you, why do gyms have a sign up fee and why do they now have an annual enhancement fee? Well, there's for anybody that's tuned in, here's the reason they need to show a lower monthly price to get you to sign up but they still have to have so many hundred dollars per member. So that's why, you know, if, if, if you look at the largest chain in the industry right now, they're nine bucks a month. Well, how do they get to nine bucks or $9 a month? Well, they do have an extra signup fee and it's at the discretion of the franchise E. So the owner of that location can set it. So you can, you know, let's say you need to have a $300 a year, membership for your your members which is what you have over 12 months 12 times 25 well somebody could say well i need to be 10 bucks a month well 10 times 12 is 120 so we'll just charge a 90 dollars sign-up fee and then every july we'll say we have a 90 dollars maintenance fee well we got our 300 but the consumer thinks well it's only 10 bucks a month well no it's yeah. not it's 25 yeah but statistically most consumers will they'll fixate on 10 bucks a month and, and swear it's cheaper when it's still 300 bucks a year. Interesting. But that's why they're doing it. That that's why. And then also some of them are doing it and they're grabbing that annual maintenance fee, annual enhancement fee or whatever they call it in the summer, because that's where the biggest Valley is in revenue. You look at when you were most likely to get a part-time job, it was probably June, July, early August. That's where the Valley revenue wise in the industry is. And they're just filling that Valley. And at the same time, showing a cheaper monthly price. Yeah, I was when I was opening it up, I was going back and forth between twenty dollars a month and twenty five dollars a month. And we got a Planet Fitness that charges ten. We have another gym with a pool and a racquetball and an indoor track that charges sixty. We don't have locker rooms. We don't have showers. I don't want to be ten bucks a month. I was teeter tottering on twenty, but then I'm like, well, we're going to service some better than they're going to get anywhere else. So that's what pushed me to twenty five bucks a month but also the maintenance fee. Cause I wanted to, I like saying no additional fees of any kind. I just kind of think people like hearing that, you know, just pay one low monthly price and that's it. Uh, no, no surprises, nothing like that, but I wasn't charging, but there's gotta be a maintenance fee because I do spend a lot of money on maintaining the equipment. All my equipment always stays maintained. Something breaks down. I fix it right away. And members appreciate that, but I don't charge a maintenance fee. I just tagged $5 out. So I wasn't right. 20, but and then I'm like, yeah. I don't want to charge see. So let's just go 25 bucks a month. Plus right. Better service. I liked no locker rooms, no showers, just free weights, cardio and machines. I felt 25 was a good number. I think it's a good, I think it's a good number. And I think you're, you're, you own a, like I did, you own a service business that has a gym and that's really what you are. And that's why, like, I wouldn't even look at what planet charges and I wouldn't look at what the gym with a pool charges because you're not competing with them as a gym. You're a service provider. People that just want a cheap gym will go to Planet. People that want a gym with a swimming pool go over here. But if you want service, yeah. you're going to come to Fit Body U and, hey, we also have a gym. <laughs> but we're, we're in the service business. We're, we're here to serve yeah. you. And, you know, we got equipment too. Here's another point I want to bring up. A lot of gyms are just white walls, white machines, black upholstery. Um, I do like the plan to use as different colors, but that's why I fit buddy. I'm trying to do something a little different. A lot of gyms have pictures of bodybuilders hanging up and the normal person doesn't want to see pictures of bodybuilders. That 
it doesn't encourage them. It discourages them. Correct. It makes them more intimidated, makes it less likely they'll go back to the gym. But I wanted the hardcore equipment. I got the hammer strength plate loaded. I got a bunch of my carrying body masters. I, I love having that good equipment that attracts the lifters, but we're doing an eighties theme. I'm trying to be like the hard rock cafe or like the Applebee's of fitness centers. Cause a lot of fitness centers don't have a niche. They're just bland white walls, maybe a coiny one-liner up on the wall, white machines, black upholstery. There's no atmosphere. So we try to set the tone. I got a disco ball at the body. When it's somebody's birthday, the disco ball gets turned on. Birthday music starts playing. And I got a bunch of 80s memorabilia hanging up just to kind of start as uh, they can be conversation pieces. A lot of our members get to know each other. And I think part of it is because there's so many conversation pieces around. So people always know how to break the ice with something to discuss. And people get to know each other for reasons like our, our employee room, our break room. It's not employees only. It's members welcome. So a lot of the members go into the break room and hang out in there where a lot of break rooms are employees only, you know, so we kind of make it open for all members to just kind of go into and be themselves. Yeah. You're deliberately setting the culture and building a community. And that's like, I I've seen your break room. It looks like a diner. Yeah. And it's cool. And I've seen, you know, different ones of your members sitting in there or some of your employees with a group of members hanging out. I see it posted on social media. It's, it's, it's brilliant and the space is already there. Yeah. Like why not let the members go sit in there and hang out? Why yeah. not? I mean, if members feel lost, confused, frustrated, and unmotivated, they're not going to keep going back. But if they feel comfortable, if they feel confident, if they know what to do once they get there and they know some people and they feel good every time they go there, then of course they're going to keep going back. You know, and so I like to, our retention rate's pretty good. We don't get too many cancellations. If we do get a cancellation, usually it's because they're moving out of town or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's my main, that's our main goal is to keep the membership retention rates high and to do what it takes to keep the members actively using their membership. In, in looking at the, uh, what you have equipment wise. Now I know you, you've cherry picked instead of going with a, a quote unquote line of equipment, you pick the best pieces, which is awesome. But the big fun. thing that you do is when it's broke and I've seen you post this on social media, you, you put a sign on it saying it's today, today it broke, you know, it broken as of today. Yeah. Parts are on order. Service will be completed on or about this day. It will be available on this date instead of just leaving it broken for eons. Yeah. Or with a sign that says out of order on it, three but weeks goes by that. and people are starting to ask, right. Keep the members up there. Cause ultimately they're the ones paying for the equipment. If they're paying a maintenance yeah. fee, they're paying to have the equipment updated. So it's good customer service to keep them updated as to when their equipment's going to be fixed. I look at it as they're kind of renting equipment. You know what I mean? Especially if they're paying the maintenance fee. So you got to keep updated. Keep them in the, in, and, and they know how to art. Hey, it's, if it's broken, you can't get parts for two weeks. It's not going to be fixed in a week. You can't get the parts. Just tell right, them. Just tell them. Just tell them. Just say, be happy. parts are on the way. Mike's on it. I know it's going to be two weeks. I'm bummed, but if he can't get parts, that's cool. I know it's fixed in two weeks. Now, the other yeah. thing you do different that I like is, is you, and we did this too, and it, it was there before I arrived as the owner, but you set the culture and you don't, you have zero tolerance. And for people that work in fitness or, or any business, if your business is dirty and you're the owner, that's your fault. You are responsible for the culture in a club. Dirty is your fault. The other one, if the plates are left on the machine, guess what? That 70 year old grandmother 
can't lift the 45 pound plates off the leg press. And even though you only left one on each side, she can't take them off. The, the dumbbells shouldn't be piled up on the floor where you left them when you were done with your last set. And you set the culture for your club. Cause I've seen it. You have no tolerance. Yeah. If you're going to come in and use the weights, you put them back. Yeah. I always say inconsiderate gym users run off the considerate members. So there's inconsiderate lifters. Then there's considerate lifters. Inconsiderate lifters run off the considerate normal person yes. gym user. And I'm looking out for them because at every other, most gyms don't enforce gym etiquette at all. And the inconsiderate gym users have run of the mill because nobody says anything to them. But a lot of times the owner's not on the premises. Um, so there's enough gyms out there that cater to inconsiderate gym users or don't say anything. I take everything that every other fitness center does. I do the complete opposite. Most don't enforce gym etiquette. So if about you, we do enforce gym etiquette. Um, the weights is a big one because we attract a lot of new gym members. We attract the Planet Fitness crowd, beginning gym users, first-time gym users. And I want to make sure they have a good experience there because if they don't, they might not come back or get started somewhere else for two years. So I learned signs don't cut it. Now, I don't have a sign that says, please put your weights away. Most gyms have that one sign, please put your weights away. So I don't have that sign because it doesn't work anyway. I've seen that sign forever. Signs don't work. You got to verbalize gym etiquette. Somebody yeah. actually has to go up to the member and say something to them. Otherwise, they'll keep doing it. So when it comes to leaving the weights on, these times not spraying your equipment down, um, you know, keep your shirt on while you're training, things like that. Um, keep your supersets kind of together. By doing that, it assures that the newer people are going to have a better experience. You know, like you get members who superset and they might leave one machine unattended. And then a new member doesn't know it's being used. So they go use it. Well, then this inconsiderate gym user comes up and says, oh, hey, I, I was using that. What are you doing taking my machine? Then this new member's freaked out. They might not ever come back. I don't want a member listening to that. So if you want somebody to not take your machine, don't leave it unattended. And um, some things I enforce harder than others. Like if four kids are standing around to peck that fly machine, texting, talking, laughing, I say something. If there's four of you, one of you should always be working. So since I enforce those kinds of genetic guidelines, the newer gym users have a better experience. And that's part of what kind of keeps things working too. And that's, you know, the take-home point there is the owner sets the culture. So if, if you own a business, I don't care what the business is, the buck stops with you if you own it. You set the culture. So you need to be the one to step up, walk over, and politely ask them to put their weights back. And then you also need to be the one, if you have employees, say, Hey, listen, like signs don't work. Like I, I would have that conversation. Like we do have signs, but they don't work. Nobody reads them. Uh, that means that we want the plates back where they came from on the weight tree. We want the dumbbells back in the dumbbell rack in order by weight. And if somebody doesn't, it's part of your responsibility working here is to walk over there and politely ask them to put the weights back. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. they I, said I it's the not theirs. Well, they, they said they're, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't their dumbbells. I'm like, okay, so here's how this works. Say, and I would teach us, Hey Mike, listen, I know these aren't yours, but would you mind grabbing one of these and I'll grab the other one. So now I'm helping you and you're realizing the next time I see knucklehead over here, leaving his weights, I'm going to say, Hey man, you should put those back. And that's how we start building that culture. And you yeah. know what? Everybody yeah. loves it. If I just see weights left on machines, like two plates left on a high hammer strength high row or something. You know, I got 
sweet Aunt Carol. She's short. She can't reach up there at that angle. Yeah, get hammer strength high row. That's tough to get a plate off the hammer strength high row from that angle. So that's one. Somebody leaves their plates on. I get on the cameras. So I don't accuse anybody until I can prove it because they always say it wasn't them. Well, here, let me send you a picture of you leaving your weights on. That way you can't deny it. And then they never, usually once I say it once or tell them once, they usually don't do it again. But it does take the owner or manager or somebody to verbally say something once and it, before they actually do it. It becomes uh, a competitive advantage because members, they, in my experience, they will say, yeah, my, my gym is awesome. The dumbbells are always where they're supposed to be in the rack and people always clean up after themselves and put their weights back. It becomes something people are happy about. Oh, that, yeah, they definitely appreciate it for sure. And it keeps them coming in, you know, and since COVID spraying the equipment down has been a thing and it's just a matter of getting members into the habit. Yep. Like before COVID, they weren't so much in the habit, but now, you know, some members aren't comfortable if they see members not wiping their equipment down. So let's just, and what's the bad thing about spraying it down anyway? Just everybody carries a spray bottle with them. And, uh, but what I notice is since they don't learn gym etiquette at other fitness centers, when they come to fit body, you, after working out at two or three other gyms, they're not in that habit. So there's a constant influx of new members who I got to teach the new gym etiquette guidelines too, because their other gym didn't teach them. But now if they leave fit body, you and go somewhere else, they're going to go somewhere else with better gym etiquette. Yeah. So I feel like I'm doing my community and other gyms a service by teaching members gym etiquette. It's a huge service. And I, I, I can say from experience, I, I still hear people comment on what they learned at my club, wherever they are now at their new club, they brought those good habits with them. And I've heard the flip side, you know, I've run into people in the community. They're like, Oh, I go here now. And my God, the there's every time I go to use the 30 pound dumbbells, one of them's missing. And I got to spend 10 minutes finding the other dumbbell. And at your place, they're always right there on the rack. You know, like, it's, it, it's simple. Like that's on, the manager should be functioning as a leader in, in setting and leading people through the culture. Like we put stuff back. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say, but I'm, I'm always looking out for the newer gym user, the first time gym users, because if they have a good, the regulars will be just fine. Even if I offend a few people because they don't like having genetic enforced upon them, I might have to say they roll their eyes at me, whatever, maybe they cancel, but I want the newer gym users who aren't exactly gym people to have a good experience in the gym because hell most of their lives they didn't join a fitness center because they were intimidated they thought right. gyms would be filled with bodybuilders and figure models now 40 50 sometimes 60 70 years old they're joining about you it's their first ever gym membership i want to make sure that they have a good experience and that everything they thought about a fitness center does not come true you know and I, and I think it's and i think that's a you know that's what your business model is and it goes back to what you said i, I look at what everybody else is doing and i don't we do the opposite, you know, do the opposite of what everybody else in your industry is doing. And you'll, and you'll stand out. I love it. Anything else you'd like to share about your f philosophy with running a gym with what makes fit body you different? Yeah. Well, uh, people can't buy what they don't know about. I do get trainers in the area and even nutritionists. They want me to help promote them. They want me to make the post for them. I'm not sure how I got into social media, but it just kind of clicked. I post quite often and I'm always on people's minds. They might not join right when they see my post, but I'll be on their minds maybe in six months because I'm still posting. If you only post once in a great while, not as many eyes are going to be, and people can't buy what they don't know about. But I'll have trainers in the area ask me, to, and I'm like, well, you got to push yourself. You can't 
Um, people can't buy what they don't know about. So I think any business owner, they got to get the word out on social media more and not just once a week or once a month. It's almost got to be every day because somebody's going to see it today that didn't see it yesterday. And it might not be hundreds more, but it might be a dozen more or something like that. But one of those people could become members. So you got to always be getting out there on social media. Um, that's one thing. Um, we could talk about a lot of stuff if we really wanted to. But if you give me a topic, I'll give you my take on it. Well, I think just your your business model and and I've seen the pictures, the 80 theme stuff. I think it's cool. I think the old movie stuff and what do you have? Is it a blockbuster sign or a Hollywood video sign? Don't you have something? Yeah, I like 80s. I like nostalgia. I do get a blockbuster sign. I got an A&W root beer sign. I got a family video. There's a family, family video, video in town closing. I've become a collector of signs. I like advertising. I like marketing. I like signs. So family video was closing down and um, a buddy of mine was buying it because he was putting a laundromat in. So I said, hey, what are you going to do with that sign? And um, the sign company just gave it to me. So I hung that up. Um, my favorite restaurant, Coyote Canyon, closed it down. So I got there a sign. It's just conversation pieces is all it really is. And I like community. You know, I got community high school memorabilia hanging up. So it's just all about community. That's, that's our big deal, community fitness center. A lot of gyms are like, oh, we're all about the family. We're a family fitness center. Well, are you really family? Are you really family if you're only helping out the members who pay additional for personal training? To me, that's not family. Yeah, it's and that's... family when you leave no member behind. It's family when you're treating all your members the same, not just the ones who are paying additional. So some say they're family, but I wonder if they really believe it. You know what I mean? So we don't say family, although many could say family and I could buy it, but I use the word community our neighborhood fitness center, you know, because we're in a small community and we're the area fitness center. And that pulls back to that. You know, I know every street in town because I delivered pizzas. I, I met a lot of people in the community because I delivered pizzas. I met a lot of people because I worked in gyms and instead of focusing just on the one-on-one -on -one clients paying me, I got to know people that I saw in the gym that I, you know, they, they may never buy training, but I didn't care because I wanted to meet the community. Well, now you are the community and that's, that's a big deal. And a lot, of, that's one thing the corporate gyms don't have. That's one thing the national flag gyms don't have. That's the one thing that the gyms where the owner is, is focused solely on the dollar. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you're in business, you better be focused on the dollar because you got you, you're going to have to pay bills, you know? So there you got, you have to make money. There's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of them do everything at the expense of community. And, you know, I, I think I had at one time three or four families that had three generations of members at the same wow. time. So we had grandma, you know, we had grandma in her eighties. We had mom and dad in their late fifties, early sixties. And we had the grandkids in their twenties and thirties. Wow. You know, and, and that's, you know, community and you're you're involved you know the people they know you and they also know that you're not just out there to steal their money yeah and they got to feel comfortable enough to go for more than two weeks they yeah. can all go for a couple months but can they go all year round that's our goal at the body you well i think it's i think it's a great story mike uh i've watched on social media because you are active you do post your story unfold. And I, I do remember seeing you leaving impact. And I'm like, these people are, are effing up a good thing here. Like they should give this guy what he's worth and thank him for being there.
because no, I never understood either. Give me somebody who brings in 40 or so clients on top of their memberships. I'll buy them lunch once a week, you know? So I just didn't understand that either. I guess it all worked out, you know, for the best, but I never under, but I was back into a corner basically. Like I didn't plan on opening up a gym. I was going to be trained because I thought it was going to cost six figures to open up a gym. You know, I didn't realize I could do it for a little bit less than that. So, um, I felt like I was backed into a corner, had to do something. And, um, you know, they say, if you're prepared for the opportunity, you'll know it when you see it. If you're not prepared for the opportunity, you won't even know it's there. Yeah. So right as all that was going on, that two-week span, that's when the personal training studio up north was closing down, and that was presented to me. So it kind of came at the right time, and I knew the right people to call to find the building and all that. And it just and the building was perfect. No build-out was needed or nothing. 40-something parking spots. So it was like uh, right in the middle of everything. So it was – uh. Yeah, that was a good time. Is there anything else that you have that I haven't no, answered? That I you, think, you were thinking? No, I think the, you know, for the business owners out there, listen to your staff, talk to your customers, talk to people that do not currently want to be a customer because you can learn something. And when you have, you know, I, I remember we, we had weekly training department meetings, coaching department meetings in my club. And we had weekly business development meetings with like my management team, if you will. And it all sounds higher end, but it was, it, it, we were running, I was running a business and I wanted to over deliver to the customers. So I had those things. I had a new trainer come on board and he had talked to the person running that part of my training as a, a manager is what most people would call him. I looked at him as leaders and said some ideas. So the boss told me like, Hey, this guy's got some ideas. He's going to bring him up in the training meeting. I'm like, all right, cool. So we have this meeting, the manager says, well, tell him what your ideas are. And he's like, ah, I don't want it. He's like, no, go ahead. Tell him. So he tells me, and he basically was saying, we needed to change how we were doing part of our training. Okay. So he's brand new and he's telling the owner, well, we need to change this. Right. And I looked at him. I said, okay, how much is it going to cost? And he's like, wait a minute. What? I'm like, well, you're out there with the people every day. If you think that this isn't the best way to do it, and we could do a better job, I'm in. Change it today. And then what do we need to buy? Let's like let's do this. And this guy was, he was blown away. He's like, I've never had like a manager or the owner be willing to listen to my idea, yet alone do it. What the hell am I gonna do? Like, I'm not out there. This guy's telling me these people want this. Yeah. Okay, I'm either gonna give them what they want or they're gonna leave. This is a no-brainer. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, I've given all my ideas to managers and owners, and they just didn't like them. Look, it's like I, I get these informational signs. Like, not all members use the free training, but I got I got to give them a fighting chance. A lot of them don't even know what a set and a rep is. So I try to answer all the basic fundamental questions for them on signs posted throughout the gym. That way they have a little bit of a fighting chance and have a little of an idea what they're supposed to do. And other gym owners didn't like that idea because they actually said, a few of them, well, if they know what to do, they won't need personal training. And that's when I know that they weren't in it for the passion and for the love of the game. They're just in it to make money. We all got to make money. We got to make a living, got to pay our bills and all that good stuff. But it's like, there's gym owners who want their members to succeed. Then there's fitness business owners who are just following a model in it for the profit. You know what I mean? And uh, a lot of people at these gyms, it's like, I want my members to learn, but others didn't think it was a good idea for that reason. So they are willing to have a lesser experience for the new members you know, if it meant not cutting into their training sales in the know? irony, uh, the irony is if you give away the proverbial farm, though, like at the, 
the people still need accountability. And, and for some of them, they, they don't even know what the set or rep is. And they don't even know that they don't know how to package the sets and reps into what we call a workout. But now we educate them on what sets and reps are. Now they might know enough to be an informed consumer and say, Hey, Mike, I, I think I might need some training. Yeah. Because you gave them free information like that. You know what, what we put out there, what we give, we're going to get back in those owners that think they're all about the money because they're not giving enough. They're not getting enough and they miss it. Like they completely miss that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to, that's something else. That's why I post so often. I like to provide free information. You know, I don't know how many people read it exactly, but I get some people that join. How'd you hear about us on Facebook? I've been following you for years but I've never seen their name liking any of my posts. So most people that actually join aren't people that actually like the post, but they all see the post. But I've been providing free information. So finally, after two or three years, when they do join a gym, they'll come to my gym if they're in the area because they've been getting free information anyway. You know, that, so it's like, well, you that know, ties free to, stuff in the, and if they don't ever come to the gym, maybe they'll talk to their friends and family about me. I don't know. And that uh, ties back to one final thing that I'll say with, with all of that is everybody likes to buy from their friends and nobody likes to be sold. And if you're living in the Bradley area and you're on Facebook and you constantly see this guy, Mike at fit body, you giving free information yet, he's never asked anybody to buy anything. No, nope. well, Mike's this guy, Mike, I could be friends with, and yeah. I wouldn't mind buying a membership every month from Mike because he's not trying to sell me. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing too. I got this little rule I live by. When I first meet somebody, I never talk. I never, I never ask them for their first name. They might tell me their first name. I never ask them for their first name. I never ask where they work. And I never talk about money. Even members that come to check out Fit Body U, if they want a tour, at the end of the tour, I don't even ask them if they want to sign up. I let them tell me if they want to sign up. If I get the, if I get the inkling they're still thinking about it, try it once. If you still like it, if you try it out, then we'll sign you up afterwards. Okay, great. But I mean, most of the time, 80% of the time, they'll just sign up right then and there. But if they're like on the fence or they're still looking, they look like they're thinking about it. I'm not, no pressure. I learned, I learned no pressure at Ballet Total Fitness and LA Fitness. I learned uh, when I was at Ballet Total Fitness and LA Fitness, um, it was high pressured sales. So if it about you, I do the opposite, no pressure sales. I don't want to talk you into it if you're not ready. But if you are ready, I got a plan for you. So that's just a little something. We could talk about stuff for hours. No, man. I think it's. I love talking about this stuff. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. Uh, but this is my kind of podcast right here. So, Mike, give us a little <laughs> bit of your background. How'd you get started in fitness? Let's see. Well, I grew up watching Hulk Hogan, Rambo, Rocky, all special Stallone movies, all the Arnold movies. So, and that was an 80s kid. So I came up when those guys were like at their peak. So I just wanted to be like Hogan, Stallone, Arnold, and uh, sort of a pro wrestling fan. But then it started to turn into a circus when performers like the Red Rooster came in. And I'm like, how can you turn the great Terry Taylor into the Red Rooster? Dusty Rose was wearing polka dots. So I started kind of getting, you know, a little bit like a circus act to me. So I got out of pro wrestling and into weightlifting. Then bodybuilders became my new pro wrestlers. I looked up to all the pro bodybuilders back in the day, read all those magazines, and I was also into Hogan, Stallone, and Arnold. And uh, at 10 years old, I went to this bookstore, and there was a clearance section. And for 25 cents, Arnold's biography was right there. And my mom bought it for me. And I really wanted it. I was only 10 years old. 
but that was the first book that I ever read. And I read it cover to cover in like three days. And I didn't read much, but that book piqued my interest. Joined my YMCA. Those guys down there turned into my new pro wrestlers. Got into lifting weights pretty good. Never played sports. I just had a single mom, so I worked um, and made my money. So lifting weights was my sport. And uh, didn't really have a plan of working in the gym. I was only 14 years old at the time. But when I was 18 years old, after four or five years of serious lifting, a Gold's Gym came to my area. So in Bradley, Illinois, a Gold's Gym. And I thought it was my destiny. I'm like, wow, I'm getting ready to graduate high school. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to work at Gold's Gym. So I did. I got a job at Gold's Gym. Uh, worked there for a couple of years. Worked at a couple of different Gold's Gyms, you know, and bounced around a lot. Trained uh, clients in a bunch of gyms. And probably worked at 11 different types of fitness centers, like in LA Fitness. I worked at all the local gyms in my area. Worked at um, uh, three different Valley Total Fitness Centers. So that's kind of where I got my experience at fitness centers. I didn't just learn from one fitness center in my hometown. I was able to work at 11 different fitness centers. I've only been fired from two, but I worked at 11 different fitness centers total. And um, that's kind of where I got my experience at fitness centers at. And that's the short story. But if you have any more questions, so, I'm here all day. So it was kind of the, the, the pro wrestling the <clears throat> at that point in time, because we're close in age, was probably WWF early on right and then yep. that led to an intro and on the action movies so stallone schwarzenegger things of that nature and then the well hey working out and you go into your ymca and there there's probably as a teenager there's probably some bigger guys than you which is like now you're in the gym with guys that are kind of like the stallone rambo right yep because they're big well, they're Randy Martin looked like john rambo you know, and that's, so they're new heroes, new people to look up to. Yeah. You get a job in the fitness industry and, and we're for people that are tuned in, if you're not in the Midwest, you're not in Illinois, you're like, what's Brad, what's a Bradley, Illinois, or where's a Bradley, Illinois? Well, it's, it's near Chicago. So I wouldn't say it's a Chicago suburb, but between Chicago and Bradley are the Chicago suburbs. So that yeah. gave you a chance to work in a wide variety of national chain corporate gyms from your Bally's, your LA's, your golds. And it gave you kind of the smorgasbord of its experience. Now you were working in there. Do you start out working the front counter or, or cleaning or stuff like that? That yeah, first I Gold's started, job? I wanted to work at gold's gym so bad that I started just picking up weights. They didn't even ask me to, I would just go in at night. I'd work out late. I would pick up all the weights and organize all for free. I wasn't even on the clock getting paid for it. I never filled an application for that Gold's Gym. I just started, I was working out there a lot and I was picking up the weights for them. They said, hey, you might as well just start working here. And that's how I got a job at uh, Gold's Gym. Um, but you mentioned the YMCA before. At the time, that was the only gym in the area. So all the good local lifters had to go to the YMCA. So I got to learn from all the area's best lifters. We were all in the same room. And Bradley, Illinois is about a 45 minute drive south from Chicago. So if you're in Chicago, you're not that far away from fit body you. Um, so yeah, it kind of went that direction and it all led so from there. Kind of the, as a lot of folks started in the gym, it, it was typically, you know, help keep the place neat, clean and organized. And then you got into training at some point. Yeah. So now when I was, a, when I was, young, I, I was going to be a pro wrestler. That was always my big goal. I want to be a pro wrestler. And, um, that was the direction I was going to take all the way until I was a senior in high school. 
And then my guidance counselor sat me down and uh, he said, we got to start thinking about what you do after high school. What are you going to do after high school? I'm like, well, I'm just going to be a pro wrestler. And he says, well, you should have a backup plan too. That way, if, you know, things don't work out in pro wrestling for however many years, then you can have something to fall back on. Well, when I was working at Gold's Gym, I was just the front desk person. I would vacuum the locker rooms, clean out the lockers, clean out the hot tub, assist some members in the gym floor. But there was this trainer there, and this was back in the mid-90s. So personal training wasn't huge then. Every town didn't have 10 trainers like they do now. There was only one personal trainer that I even knew of um, outside of Jake Seinfeld and Tony Little, and he was a trainer at the Golden Bradley. He came from Florida. His name was John Smith. I seen him training clients and he was making good money, making his own schedule. And I said to my guidance counselor, I'm like, well, I'm going to have a plan B then personal training is where it's going to be. Because I thought about what John did. I'm like, well, dang, I would love to train people and get paid for it, make my own schedule. So I kind of slowly got into that, uh, took on a few clients. I wasn't a salesperson. Plus I felt like I was ripping people off by training them and charging them for it because I would do it for free. So I had a hard time asking for money. So it took a while for me to actually start getting a bunch of clients who were actually paying for training, but that's where the seed was planted. I did pick up a few clients when I was young and 19 years old, and then it just kind of spurred on from there. Um, you know, a lot of it was off and on. I went to another Gold's Gym up north in Orland Park, which is closer to Chicago. Um, did kind of the same thing, only had a couple of clients. But I was just learning the fitness industry and learning how gyms worked at that time. So you, you, how long were you doing training then? Like what, what, how old, like, so 19 years old, you're training people and, and you're in a variety <laughs> of gyms. At what point did you stop working for other people and open your fit body? You that's good stuff. See now it's, I've had a, I've had an up and down road, man. It's been a roller coaster of a ride. Uh, because there were times at other jobs in between, there were times I wasn't in the fitness industry. Let's see here. Gold's gym. I kind of, things just weren't, weren't exactly working out, uh, after about a year and a half or so. So I got an opportunity to work at a Gold's gym in Orland park. So I ended up leaving the Golds and Bradley to go to Orland park, which was good. They had really good owners there. And some of the things I learned at that time just for the few months I was there, I still carry with me to the same. In fact, a lot of the customer service traits that I use today, I learned from that Gold's Gym Orland Park, from that owner there, Tony Folco was his name. Um, but it was a drive. I was going to community college at the time. It was 45 minute drive for me to get up there. And I was going to school and it was just a lot of driving for me. And uh, the Golds and Bradley ended up calling me back a few months later. Hey, you know, we're going to make things better for you. Give you regular hours, give you two days off in a row. Can you come back? So fine. It's closer to school. I ended up going back to that one because originally, you know, they just seen a young kid willing to work if whatever. So they had me working every single day. Maybe I'd have Saturdays off, but even then I was going to the gym doing something. Sundays was an all day, all day ordeal. I just uh, really got overworked at the time for what I was doing and, uh, you know, just didn't negotiate a good deal, you know. But when I came back, that's when I got my five day work week, two days off in a row started getting more organized and, you know, they kind of appreciated it more. So I was kind of doing work. They weren't even asking me to do, you know what I mean? And one of the things I learned from the owner in Gold's gym at Orland park, if people get the chance to take advantage of you, they will. If people get the chance to take advantage of you, they will not all will, but many of them will. And I felt a little 
uh, taking advantage of at the Gold's Gym and Bradley just because I worked so many hours and never really increased my pay. And uh, so that's why I ended up going to Gold's in Orland Park. But after a few months, when I came back, they gave me the deal I wanted, 40, 50 hours a week, whatever, two days off. Um, so then, but at the time, check this out. I was also working in another gym uh, about 10 miles north, just a small local gym, but I was there on Saturdays. So I was working at Gold's Gym during the week and this other gym called Diversitech in Mantino on Saturdays. Now, the guys at Diversitech treated me good. They were really cool to me. You know, the guys in Bradley, they were okay, but it was just like more of a win-lose situation for me. And um, at, there was a time after six months, once they called me back, hey, can you come back and work for us? After about six months, my second time around, that's when um, they gave me the ultimatum. Hey, we know you work in Diversitech in Mantino. They're only 10 miles from us. Either quit them or quit us. So I quit Gold's Gym. And I took a job at Diversitech in Mantino for that one day a week. And I just took a job delivering pizzas. I'm like, if you're going to give me that ultimatum, I'll go deliver pizzas and work for these guys that are, that are better to me than work for you guys and quit for them. So that's how that worked out. Then I delivered pizzas at Papa John's for a couple of years, which no matter what kind of job you got, you can pick up skills from every little job that'll ultimately help you in your career. So even if you don't like your current job, you might not like waiting tables, but instead of having a negative attitude, you got to go into it like pick up the skills you can, won't be there forever. When you get to your career, you can use those skills. So I picked up some skills at Papa John's, learned my area, learned where all my streets are at, asked me where any streets at around here. I know where they're all at now. Um, let's see, I had a few odd jobs, you know, I had a few factory jobs, you know, I had a few, uh, I, I worked, I sold, I, I merchandised for a wine company for a little, for a few years, but then every time, okay, so that's, that's how Bally Total Fitness came into play because I was working for this wine company in Bedford Park. I had to drive up there every single day for a couple of years and I would pass this Bally Total Fitness and I would daydream, man, Bally Total Fitness. I would love to work at Bally Total Fitness. So I applied one day and uh, they didn't call for like six months. One day they called and uh, I started part-time and I'm like, if I can get 10 clients, I'll quit my job at the winery, you know? So I ended up working at Bally's for six months, got my 10 clients. I'm like, if I did this full-time, I can probably make this happen. So I ended up quitting the winery and I worked at Bally Total Fitness and that started the five-year process. Let me fast forward a little bit and then we can rewind and you can ask some questions because this will give you the timeline. Bally's for five years. Um, Ended up leaving Bally's, got a job for the railroad, wanted to get a real, because it was just commission only. I wasn't getting paid by the hour. So it was had its good months and bad months as a one-on-one -on -one trainer, right? Got a job on the railroad for five years. Um, the, part of the worst five years of my life, just because I was on call 24-7-365. I never called off work either. So it was just never knew when you were getting called. But after five years, I said, you know what? Forget this. I'm getting back into the fitness industry. And that was in 2008. And I've been in the fitness industry ever since. I got LA Fitness after I left the railroad, went to LA Fitness, and um, that was 2008. And I've been in the fitness industry since 2008. So taking apart a lot of that, one, if we look at the fitness industry, and and I owned and operated a club for a long time, and have had a a chance to talk with a lot of owners, a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers in the industry. And what's interesting is kind of your experience is the norm. Most trainers only make it like 18 or 20 months because the clubs mistreat them. And by the way, if you're a club owner, there's a far better way to run your service department in services is coaching, training, group fitness, whatever. 
far better way to do it, to take care of your employees, uh, be able to live with yourself, be happy with yourself when you see yourself in the mirror, because you know you're taking care of your employees that happen to take care of you. So Mike, you're, like, your experience is, is unfortunately the norm in fitness. And the other thing that like you said is, you know, no matter what you're doing, if it's not your end game, if it's not the end of the line dream career yet, man, there's so much you can learn. Like delivering pizzas, if you look at how many people you talk to in your community, my God, man, like if you can't walk away having learned something and become a better person and, and have greater knowledge of your community, I don't, I, you know, I don't know where else outside of waiting tables and maybe working in a local bar. I don't know of a place you get a better handle on your community. So, you know, I love the fact that you recognize that is, is an opportunity and a bridge to get you where you were, wherever you were going. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. And a lot of people miss that. Like, you don't, if you're not happy with your job, find the good things, capitalize on them and then plan to move on. And you had the courage to leave. And a lot of people, like you get a railroad job, let's be honest, it, it was probably good paying benefits with a pension, right? A retirement. Yeah, that, yeah, that was that was good money. Um, there's a little story there too, because there was a time they got a big, thick rule box. There's a lot of things to get suspended for, right? And, um, you know, some are watching more than others, but they really want you to be, you know, safe out there. And there was a time I got suspended for six months, but it was with pay because I had job insurance at the time. And so for I knew I was going to go back to work. So I just, for six months, I just played poker, went to Vegas, had a good time, learned really, you know, I was like an amateur poker player, but I studied the craft for that six months and got to experience it. But then I got called back into work and I was thinking to myself, man, I could have been studying to be a personal trainer. That whole, I was just off for six months. Here I am back at work again. I could have been studying to be a trainer. I could have been picking up clients and maybe I could have told them I wasn't going to come back, but instead I screwed around, played poker, had fun. And now I'm here back to the railroad again. So if I ever get that chance again, where I'm not working, I'm going to get my trainer's license. And actually that was when, because that was, I knew I was going to get back into the fitness industry at some point, but I wanted to have my certification. So I actually got my ACE materials. I went through ACE and I studied while, because I had so much downtime on the railroad, because you're just sitting in a siding a lot of the time, they don't want you to sleep, so you get so much time to read on the railroad. That's the good thing about the railroad; you can read so much. Um, but I studied for my personal trainer exam while I was working on the railroad. I would be on the engine reading my manual, riding on the train, or sitting in the siding or whatever. Then when I got certified, I'm like, if I ever get suspended again, I'm going to give this a go. And I did get suspended again because I was driving. I was, it was like, I was going 55 and a 45 or 35 or something like that. And they stopped me and we just didn't see it, you know, on the little script they give us in the morning. Now it was after working 18 hours, one day off for six hours. They called us in after six hours, two hours to get in. So an 18 hour day, eight hours later, we're back on. And I just kind of felt like they were screwing with us because we got stuck in a sighting one time. And, uh, I don't know. So I, that's when I was like, this just isn't going to work, but we were zombies coming back. Right. And we missed something on the paperwork that gave us a speed restriction and uh, got caught speeding, got suspended for six months. So that's when I got suspended, like on a Friday or a Saturday. That same day, I went to L.A. Fitness, talked to Buddy Hall. That following Monday, I was at L.A. Fitness again. And I said, if I can get 25 clients, I'm not going back to the railroad. And I did. I got 25, 30 clients, you know. 
So the time came for the real, a lot of investigation and stuff went down, but in the end, I wasn't going back. And so you, I just said, you, didn't, and, you know, plus I missed the Thanksgiving with my dad and my grandma, my dad and my grandma were in town for Thanksgiving one year and I got called out on the railroad and I don't turn down calls. I work. I don't call off work. They call me in. It's my responsibility. So from 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. on a Thanksgiving day, I got called into work. So I said, you know what? I'm not doing this no more. So I knew I was just going to get back into training at some point. So I don't really know what else I would do, you know? And you, and you didn't waste, you know, they say success is when opportunity meets preparedness. And you, you missed being prepared that first six months off of work. You, you were playing cards instead. The second, you know, you came back to work, you kind of realized, hey, I better – I better take advantage of getting prepared. And you did. And, yeah. And, chance you know, favors the prepared mind. Yeah. So it's, and there's a, there's a big lesson in that. Even I got laid off of work. And when I got laid off, I got certified. And that was as a trainer, you, you know, 24 years ago or whatever it was, 20, whatever it was, 20 plus years ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm getting certified as a trainer. I went back to work in the industry I was in, but I, I kind of realized like, I'm not wasting my time. Like I know I'm going to have a, at least a couple of weeks and I'm going all in and I'm knocking all this out. And in your case, you were able to go line up, walk into an LA fitness and get a job. And then we're yeah. motivated enough to get your 25 clients and say no more railroad. Yeah. Yeah. So I was fortunate that it only lasted a few months though, because when I started off at LA fitness, I was an assistant training manager Everything I've learned from every gym, I, I take what I like and don't like from every gym I've worked at, put it into Fit Body U. So at first, when I was at LA Fitness, I, well, actually, I trained people at first, but they wanted me to be an assistant manager. They wanted to build me up in the management. So I became an assistant training manager. Now, at LA Fitness, when members come in, the original man, the general manager, whatever, they sign their membership up and they try to get them to buy training. Well, if they say no to the training, then we got to give them a second attempt. Then they come to me. So after they already said no, then I got to try to get them to say yes. And I'm like, I found that hard to do. I don't want people to buy. Like, we can overcome objections and we can get people to buy things even though they're not ready because they don't want to say no. They don't want time. They just want to start working out. So they'll sign up just to sign up if somebody's, you know, forcing them to sign up. I don't want to force people to sign up. I want you to make your own mind. I don't want people that aren't ready yet. Those are the kind of people that are going to cancel in a couple of months or drop out. Sure, you still get the money, but they're not having that good customer service experience. But I had to do the talking into after they already said no. And after three months of that, I said, you know what? I can't manage LA fitness because I, I don't want to get people to buy something before they're ready. So I'll just be a trainer. So yeah, I started off as a trainer, um, then assistant manager for a little bit. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. I'll just train people. You know? so, so where'd you go after that LA? Okay. So that's a good story too, because now LA fitness was a good 40 minute drive from where I live in Bradley. Now in Bradley, hell, now we got the Gold's Gym. We got this other gym, Fitness Premier. Got a couple of them around here. We got a YMCA, got a Riverside. We got like a bunch of gyms to work at now in this area. But I was going to LA Fitness. But I was working out at Fitness Premier in uh, Bourbon A, right next to Bradley, Illinois. And uh, one day, the manager of Bourbon A Fitness Premier, Rick King is his name. He's the guy that gave me the original opportunity. Um, I was working out there one day, and he says, you know what, Mike? You train people at LA Fitness. I think you'd be a great trainer here at Fitness Premier. And it's closer. It's five minutes from my house. Well, let's get it going then. So then I went to Premier, uh, stayed there for a couple and a half years. And that's kind of where I started kind of, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one trainer. I didn't get into group training until a couple of years after I started there, but I was still one-on-one -on -one training. 
and I got my schedule packed pretty fast. And uh, yeah, I was able to make a, make a go of it. I mean, there were times I had to get a part-time job because um, it's, when you're one-on-one trainer, you can only train 12 clients a day. You know, some people want to save money at some points throughout the year. So it's like you're limited to the amount of clients you can take on and hours you can put in. So in the summer months, I might get a job. I don't know if I, I took a security job on once, but only for a couple of months when I had to. I never, I personal, I've been personal training people all year round, full time, because if I worked a part-time job, it was after my eight to 10 hours training people. So then where, what was the last gym you were at before Fit Body U? Okay, so Fit Body U, um, Premier, uh, Impact Fitness. I was good friends with the manager there. She called me up and gave me a good deal for personal training, gave me better commission and all that good stuff. I gave Premier the chance to match it. I'm like, hey, these guys are going to pay me more money. If you match it, I'll stay. But if you don't want to match, because I asked, I asked Premier for a raise before. They were only paying 50% commission for a trainer. I mean, Trainers do all the footwork, right? They keep the members motivated. They keep them coming in. They keep them signing up. You don't get commission off the monthly membership dues. But I was only getting 50% commission. Now, Gold's Gym, it was called Impact Fitness at this time. They offered me 75% commission. So I went to Premier, hey, if you match this, I'll stay. Because I had like 42, 47, 40 something clients I had at the time. So, and I knew most of them would probably follow me over. So I'm like, if you want to keep me here, match it. If not, but they never returned my calls, you know, because the owner's got like a bunch of clubs. So he never could get back to me and no decision could be. And I had to make a decision. So I ended up going to Impact Fitness and I was there for a couple and a half years. Out of my, I want to say, I think I, I had 40 something clients. I think all but two ended up coming over with me. So I was pretty busy to Impact too. I was at Impact Fitness for a good couple and a half years. And, um, but I had my original 75% deal. Some trainers were getting 40%. Some trainers were getting 60%. The manager who hired me, who gave me the deal, they let her go. So a new manager came in. She wanted to lower my commission down to what the other trainers were making. And I'm like, well, it's your gym. It's your call. I got to cancel half my clients. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll train here part-time for 40, 50% commission, but I'm not going to train full-time. For, I got to go out and get a real job. So whatever. But they gave me a two-month notice, right? So I was going to go out. I was going out looking for a new job. Hell, I, I talked to Pepsi. I talked to a couple other players. I was going to get a real job, man. And I was going to train my clients at night or in the morning. But I was out interviewing for new jobs. And um, this training studio in Mokina, about a half an hour from here, closed down. And I got the opportunity to buy their equipment and bring it to the area. But I couldn't find a building, you know? So I had to get a realtor to help me find a building. And... Um, that's how that spread on. But as we were moving the equipment in, before deal was I didn't buy the equipment yet, but the equipment had to get stored somewhere. Somebody seen me moving the equipment, told the owners of Impact that I opened up a gym, which maybe I was, but no contracts were signed, no lease was signed. I didn't buy the equipment. We were still negotiating, couldn't agree on a price. But if I wouldn't have bought the equipment, the guy who had the equipment was just going to pay to store it in this building. That's what would have happened, I guess. But they got wind of it. Let me go. Um, conflict of interest, they called it. So then I had 40-something clients with nowhere to train them at. But it was July, right? So there's, there's a hill called Poop Hill. It's like a big hill. So I trained my clients there for a couple of weeks. During that time, found a building. Um, ended up uh, finalizing a deal for the equipment and just kind of made it work from there. 
But to answer your question, after Fitness Mirror, I was at Impact Fitness. It was called the Old Gold's Gym. So, and I, and I remember you posting how you were being treated at Impact. And I remember thinking, I'm like, this guy is personable. He's passionate about this. And at the time I still owned a gym and I, I was like, this is somebody like these people don't realize what they have. Like, this is a guy that you pay more and you keep them and, and he gets, he's happy and you've got a workhorse for your facility. That's going to bring people to your facility. You're going to make money. You're happy. And I'm like, they're behaving like most gyms are. And they're, they're trying to take all of the money from that quality employee for themselves. And it's going to cost them a good employee and it's going to cost them some money. Now, interestingly enough, because I remember seeing this posted too, like that gym's closed, isn't it? Yeah. So I just thought about it. I didn't think about this just now. So I started at Gold's Gym. I think it was towards the end of 1993. Those owners sold it and the new owners called it Impact Fitness, right? And that's the last gym I was at before I opened up Fit Body U. And it didn't cross my mind it worked out that way because hell, started at Gold's, worked at a bunch of other gyms in between and then finished there and then started Fit Body U. And I took things I liked and didn't like from every single place too. Um, so yeah, that's how that worked out. And it's in, you know, the take home point for, and I don't care whether or not, if you're a business owner and you've been open for any length of the time, if you have employees, if you haven't figured this out yet, at some point you will, and it's going to be a lot less expensive to just listen to what I'm going to tell you and remember it, you, you know, losing good employees is the most expensive thing your business will face. So it's better to make the investment in good employees and take care of them. And I'm, I'm not saying that they need to make all of the money. You need to make money too, or there's, there's no point. You, you know, usually the business owner has all of the risk. If they borrowed corp, you know, if they borrowed money, if they've got a lease, they've got a mortgage on the property or whatever, but take care of your good employees. Cause it's really expensive when they leave and you lose enough good people, you'll be closed. Well, Mike, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your your decades of experience and in, in what's made fit body you successful. We appreciate Excellent. it. Absolutely. Okay. So, thanks for your time, Ray. I'm glad to be on. like our content be sure to subscribe to our channel leave us a comment below also be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast provider see the links in the description below